okay, is this working? Test, test, test. And it is. Okay. Hello, everyone. Um, so my name is Chelsea, and I'm here because I want to share my experience of being a concussed person. <laughs> now, my last concussion was when I was 18 years old, and I am now 28. So it has definitely been a journey over the past 10 years. But I've been a part of this incredible concussion community where I've had a lot of support with people that could genuinely understand what I was going through. Now, since it's been 10 years, I've, I've still been on this program, I've still been on this group, and when I ask them if they've heard of any really good concussion podcast, they didn't have much to say. Now, there were quite a few that did respond like, this is my podcast. However, I also realized that most of them were men's podcasts, which again, totally fine. And a lot of them were like doctor and medical related. And I just wanted to give something from a perspective of someone who, you know, I don't have anything special <laughs> that happened, but I am a female. My concussion happened when I was in my teens in high school. It affected me throughout university, in the career field, and I feel like I do have a lot of information that can potentially help people, and if not, and it's just something to listen to, why not join me? Um, if there is any topics that you would like to talk about, make sure you comment or let me know because I love sharing my story, and honestly, I haven't talked a lot about my concussions. My concussion kind of became something that I was like, yep, it's part of me, but I didn't let it define me. And it hasn't been until recently where I've started opening up about my truth. And I think it's about time I shared. So, to where to begin? Um, I guess from the beginning. So, my very first concussion that I can remember, um, I've heard stories from when I was younger where there is a possibility that I did have a concussion but I believe my first confirmed concussion was when I was around like seven maybe a bit younger um and it's fully my fault so what happened well I'm the youngest of three girls so my mom my dad I have an older sister who or I have two older sisters one is 10 years older than me and then the other one is five years older than me so we had a very big age group very very different in ages and we had this old van now i i feel like at the time it was a van where i saw a lot of people driving it was like that black van i believe it was a ford and it was gray on the bottom but it had that little pink stripe around the edge very very tiny but i also saw other vans that were like that but it was like a blue strip so it was a very popular van but back then the vans were different than they are now and 
what I mean by that is the middle seat, it wasn't two bucket seats. It was a bench with two for two people. So you had the front two seats where it's two bucket seats, the middle seat where, again, it's a bench, but for two people, like a love seat sized. And then you'd have the back, which is always been the same, like that back bench for three people. Now, the other difference <laughs> is the middle seat, it didn't have that cross strap. You know how most every car now, even the middle seat in the back, they have that cross strap where you grab from the back, you click it, goes across your chest and across your waist. Well, back then, <laughs> our car only had a seatbelt where it would go around your waist and you can loosen it, tighten it as much as you wanted, but there was nothing that went across your chest. So being the youngest, I usually sat in the back and we were driving to the mall or I don't know where we were going, but we were at the mall and I always wanted to know what was going on. Being the youngest, I'm always like, eavesdropping on the conversation, but not really eavesdropping because they're talking. I just couldn't hear. So I leaned forward. I loosened my seatbelt all the way around my waist and I leaned forward trying to hear what was going on. And then I came back to fix it, loosened my seatbelt even more. And then all of a sudden we crashed. So my dad slammed on his brake. A car came at him. They hit him, which is why he was slamming on his brake, and I went forward and smashed my head off of the seat in front of me, which was like another bench, and they, on the back, there was not a lot of protection, so it was like a solid, I think it was either metal or wood within the bench, and I smashed my head and had this massive bump on my head. So, Everything was fine, like the accident was my dad's fault, but because I didn't have my seatbelt on properly, I I got injured, but everyone else in the car was fine. So that was fully my fault. So pro tip number one, always wear a seatbelt. <laughs> Even to this day, you know how in um, trailer parks or like campgrounds, you don't need to wear your seatbelt? Not me. I'm always wearing my seatbelt, lesson learned. So that was my first concussion. We went to the doctors, which was luckily right beside it. So they squeezed us in really quickly, knowing that we were just in an accident. Um, and with the doctors being right there, they told us to just come. They did a quick look, said they, they think I'm concussed. But I was also very lucky because the front part of your head is actually very strong. It does have the most amount of protection because it's full skull. So even soccer players, they tell you, like, obviously the front of your head is the best because it is the most protected. So being hit there, I was very fortunate. Um, and I don't often, I don't think anybody with a concussion is living something that's fortunate. But for my case, I know I was very lucky. And my dad still woke me up every hour. I, I remember all of this. I remember just kind of feeling exhausted that day. So I just laid in bed watching TV. And then that was totally fine. Like, it wasn't a big deal. But growing up, I was a very big athlete. I loved to play. 
And sports gave me that opportunity to play. And then I was also a little competitive. But what was really amazing about it was that it was my, I would say kind of like a therapy to me. I was never an angry person in high school or even elementary school. I was never cranky, but I often found that when I was playing sports, my coaches knew that the right words to say that would get me to that perfect amount of angry for me to hustle. And I I needed to be pushed and my coaches knew it. And I'm forever thankful for all the work that my coaches have put into me. But when I got, when I get angry when I'm playing sports, I don't often think. I just react and I go hard. And for most of my life, it was never a big deal. I was good without getting angry, but I was better when I was that slight anger because I just, I gave it my all. And it was my full power, my full passion, my full force, my full competitiveness coming out in me to be like, I'm going to prove you that I can do this. And and for the most part, the coaches were like, I guess you can't score today. I guess uh, this isn't happening for you. So I was like, Oh, I'm not scoring today. Okay, let's do this. And then and then it would it would work. But like I needed that. And and my coaches also knew that. So, I'm in high school. I'm a happy-go-lucky person. I I re- remember one time in health class we were taking this there was a a section of our course where we talked about stress. Now, for me, I really struggled with it because I was always very very good with dealing with stress for some reason. And when we were talking about stress, my teacher had all of these questions and we had to fill them out. So I talked to my teacher and I was like, I, I don't know how to answer these. And they're like, well, what happens if you get a bad mark on a test and you have to take it home and show your parents? And, and again, I'm the youngest child. <laughs> so, and again, by five, ten years. So, my sisters, of course, had it hard. Like, my parents expected great things. For me, it was just like, you know what? That's cool. Chelsea, you're trying. <laughs> and uh, I, I wasn't a bad kid. I always had great grades. But my sisters will always comment about how they would get in trouble for getting like an A minus. <laughs> and they came home with a C one time. And they're like, oh, you're going to get it. <laughs> My mom just wrote on the report card, she can do better. <laughs> and that was it. I was not in trouble. But but I knew it. I was, I was hard on myself. So my teacher <laughs> asked me that question. What would you do if you got a bad grade on a test? And you had to go tell your parents. And my response was, well, I would just say that sucks, but I guess I'll try again next time. And my teacher looked at me and she's like, yeah, that is what you would do. <laughs> um, so don't worry about this. So I had, I, I got to skip like that entire section of my course because they even saw that I was great with stress. I was never angry. I was always this like happy-go-lucky person. Um and my nickname at one point was like Sweet Precious Baby Angel, <laughs> which I know is like now that I'm 28, I was like, ew, how lame. But at that time, I'm like, yeah, I am a Sweet Precious Baby Angel. <laughs> um, so anyway, 
my concussion. So I have had a few instances where I was concussed. And then grade 12, I I started playing sports like I did every year. But then I got a concussion. So I was out for a few months. And then I came back, started playing again. Then I broke my ankle. And I've never been a person who had injuries. And if I was sore, I would just fight through it. But I kept getting like knocked down one thing after another. And all I wanted to do was play. But alas, because I never really played my grade 12 year, I decided to do a victory lap. So here in Canada, we call it a victory lap. And that's basically once you graduate, if you decide to stay an extra year for whatever reason, we call it a victory lap. And so I decided to come back for a victory lap because I wanted to play. <laughs> and and I knew when I went to college or university, that wasn't going to be the case for me. So I went back and again was on the basketball team. Now, basketball was my sport. That was my heart and soul. That was something I was very passionate about. I loved it. And I was actually, I was a good player. I I was never the best, which I was always thankful for that because there was one girl in particular on my team who was amazing. And she was my competition, but she was also my best friend. And I loved it because she naturally pushed me to be better. And, and I, I've always appreciated that. Now, <laughs> I was did my victory lap. A lot of my friends also came back for their victory lap because, you know, high school, what a great time. <laughs> and I was playing basketball. Now, basketball is at the beginning of the school year. So you're audition- auditioning, jeez. You're trying out um, basically on the second day of school. So... I was playing, we finally had our games, and I think it was about three games in. Um, There was about three seconds left on the clock, and we were down by one. Ball was in my hands. I'm at the bottom post area. I'm usually a point guard because I'm very, very short. 5'3", where most girls that they would have down in the post were like... Five eight minimum, so they had a good five inches at least on me. But I was down in the corner on the baseline. I had the ball in my hands. I could have shot a three, but in my mind, I was like, I can get a guaranteed two pointer, and that's all we need. So I'm at the baseline. I see the clock, and I drive. And that I, I love driving to the net. That was like where I'm like either I'm going to get you to foul me. It was a, it was a challenge for me and it happened. (laughs) They fouled me. So I was driving in, I went up to shoot. And as I was going up, I got pushed in the shoulder and I, my body turned while I was in midair. I just got the ball up and I came down and landed on the back of my head. And this is really (laughs) where my journey begins. So I don't remember much after that point. 
I do remember a few things though. So I remember my eyes were closed and all of a sudden my coach was right there and they were taking my ponytail out and I just, I reached up and I took it out, but my eyes were closed and they were trying to talk to me. I couldn't respond, but I was able to take my ponytail out and they were looking for blood. <laughs> and so they're like looking everywhere and then they're panicking and I could hear them, but I couldn't do anything. And they're like, we need to get her to a hospital. Eventually I came to and my parents were on their way. I was sitting on the bench, just completely zoned out. And my coach came to me and he said, I wish I heard blood or sorry, not heard. You can't hear it. I guess you can sometimes. Anyway, I digress. Um, he said, I wish I saw blood because the sound of your head hitting off the floor, it was a bad one that I was hoping if there was blood, there would be less pressure. And I had all these teachers around me. They had someone shoot my foul shots. I, I don't know the end of the game. <laughs> I, I don't remember. But that is <laughs> where my journey begins. And when I went to the hospital for this one, I think at this point this was like my third time within the last year and a half where they've told I went to the hospital they said I had a concussion, but this one was different and I knew it. I knew this one was going to be ultimately a life changer. And um, I didn't think I was going to get emotional, but I kind of am, but it's, it's, it's fine. Um, so at that point, I had three confirmed concussions. And, and that was within the last year and a half, not including the one from my car accident years ago. So they were very concerned because when you do have a concussion, it's easy to get another one. So you have one, your brain is already sensitive. So any kind of bump can give you another one. So I'm at the hospital and this time i i know i'm done and so i was like heartbroken but i'm also in this fog i didn't fully i knew i was at the hospital but i i couldn't remember why and i just remember doctors coming and they do those like typical tests where they like oops <laughs> where they're like follow my finger and your eyes follow up down let me know when you can see them peripherals like all all of those tests and I guess my eyes were pretty fucked up. <laughs> my eyes just kept vibrating. So I was fine looking straight. As soon as I looked off to the side, they would shake. And so I, I would just remember sitting in the hospital. I had CT scan, MRI scan, everything tested while I was there. And then they also kept calling more and more doctors to just come and look at my eyes. And... They told me they haven't seen anything like that, so they were getting all these doctors to also witness it because at that point, no one really talked about concussions. Concussions wasn't a big deal. That The first time I had this concussion, like within that year and a half, they were like, 
yeah, you're fine. Just, just go home, rest, and you're okay. Nothing was set up. People did not know about it. So because my eyes went crazy, they were saying that I needed to go to concussion rehab. <laughs> so I had to stay home for a week. I couldn't be on a computer, no bright lights, no screens, no reading small print. So don't read books. And also make sure that someone's checking me out every hour for the first few days, like while I sleep to make sure that I'm okay because what is scary and especially at that point this is all I knew about concussions was that when you have a concussion you might look okay during the day but when you fall asleep you might not wake up and that's all <laughs> that is all I knew about concussions at that point but because every time I've woken up I was like oh I've been fine but this time I was genuinely terrified I'm like no I need someone to wake me up because I I knew something was different and my brain and my whole world seemed to be in some type of like fog state it was like i could hear things but i couldn't process information and i was just in some type of tunnel vision so i went home um my dad would wake me up every few every hour and my mom would wake me up every hour and my mom was quite the caregiver. My mom always has been a caregiver. She's incredible 24-7. But she was really that person that became my go-to. And she, I think, is the only person that actually knows what I was going through. But I think even at that time, and even now, I don't know if she knows everything like there's times where I would come home from school just crying because with having concussions there's more challenges and I, I am gonna get into that in future weeks but she was the person that was there the entire time she would be the one at the doctors with me all the time she would be the one to and again later you'll hear stories where I'm blind and she she calls in for work and takes me to the hospital like She's been there through all of it. So she will definitely <laughs> have some stories. But anyway, they registered me for concussion rehab. And that is where my life fully changed. Um, I think it was funny because when they told me I was going to rehab, I was like, Mom, I swear I'm not drinking. I'm not doing drugs. I, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> And she's like, no, 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 it's for concussion. It's to get your brain back to where it needs to be. So needless to say, stay. Needless to say, I, I do have quite a story. Um, and, and my story is not that crazy. Like, I never had to have brain surgery and I was never in a coma or anything. So I do consider myself to be very lucky, but it was a still was still a life-changing situation for me. And the reason why I am calling this podcast The Concussed Coconut is because when I was graduating and I had my yearbook, 
And I got my yearbook from my post-grad year as well, just because I, I was there for that year. And that was the year where I was fully leaving the school. So I felt like even all of my friends, we stayed for that extra year. So I felt like that was my full goodbye to my high school, to my friends, to my teachers, and my coach. <laughs> He's, okay, here's a little fact about me. The crankiest people <laughs> who don't have, like, who call things as it is, they are my favorite people because they're just so honest and genuine that immediately I'm just like, I respect that. And, and my, co <laughs> my coach was one of those people. He would, he would just be like, no, you're not good. <laughs> like, call things out. So in my yearbook, I got him to sign it because, again, he was, he was my coach. And he wrote, I will never forget the sound of your coconut head smashing against the floor. Good luck in life. <laughs> and, and I loved it. I thought it was so funny. And I've always remembered it because I never heard anybody else's story of what happened that day. So for a weird thing, it was like, oh, yeah, I wasn't the only person involved in that situation. So I, I did end up talking to him slightly. And he kept saying, he's like, you hit your head hard and it was bad. And he's like, we all heard it. We could hear your head. Sorry, this might not sound incredible, but we could hear your head smashing off the floor. And and our gym floor was pure cement. So our our gym, um, it was like slightly underground. So when all the other schools were getting those nice hardwood floors with like good cushions and everything underneath that would like help with impact our school couldn't get that because it was slightly underground the floor would just buckle and and it would just be a waste of money so we had full cement floors and they keep saying i wish we were in another gym because maybe it wouldn't have been that bad but going back yes he kept saying i heard that and He's like, I, again, wish I saw blood because I just knew the amount of pressure that was building up around your brain. I was hoping that you would have some type of relief. And so we, we had those honest conversations because I needed to know. And I, I didn't think about it up until that point. So whenever I've started to talk to someone about my concussions, that's something I tell them is that little quote <laughs> That my coach left in my yearbook so because of that i like to call myself the concussed coconut <laughs> um so in this podcast i am going to be covering quite a few things i do have quite a list that i've been creating so um in future episodes i will talk about sports i will talk about education my social circles how my communication and conversations had changed, um, my perspective of memories now, um, concussion protocol, sleep, dating, um, finding my new identity, and and I'm going to go into all of those. I have quite a big list of things that I can talk about, but I'm also going to be throwing in some everyday life things because... I do feel like 
being concussed is a part of who I am. So no matter what I'm doing, a part of a concussion life is in there. And I don't have the most exciting life, but I do have quite a few cool things that that I do. For example, I started a business with one of my friends. So I now co-found a business where I, I help people overcome challenges to be able to create the life of their dreams. So if that is something you're wanting to look into, uh, find us over at www.csplanners.com. And I am going to get into that full story again in future weeks. I, I have a lot to share. I, I'm going to be very, very honest in all of this because I think it's important for people to know and understand. And I know that there's still people in high school who have concussions and there's not a voice out there for those who are in those times. For me, I was very lucky to find this one concussion group because it was the only place where I I did feel like I could be honest. And maybe I met this one girl and maybe I can have her at some point on this podcast if if this is something that people would be interested in. Um, she reached out to me and she basically validated everything I was feeling and she was coming from a caregiver's perspective. And this is what I really admired her for is because her husband went through something completely different and like had so many additional challenges that I've been fortunate enough to not have to have experienced. And my family was fortunate enough to not have to worry about any of the things she's gone through, but yet she still made me feel like my story was valid and she made me feel like there is a support system from people who aren't the ones that are concussed. So she was a great inspiration for me. She interviewed me. She has some blogs about me and she kept telling me, she's like, I feel like you need to go into speaking. I feel like you have a story to tell and people want to listen. And for me, public speaking wasn't a thing I wanted to do and really talking about my cushions I always downplayed it and was like oh no like I, I didn't really do anything <laughs> I just I'm a person with a concussion but I am now now 10 years post concussion I've completely changed and and there's little things along the way like even having a dream I remember that <laughs> that first time of having a dream since my concussion like there's little milestones that I have reached and I feel like I'm now at that point where I can share and feel comfortable talking about everything and and it's not like my story is a scary story or a bad story it's just I didn't see it as a story and I never felt like people wanted to know but I do know that there is a community of people who need to hear this because Again, from the podcast I found, it's always been older men, typically, or doctors. And I was a high school girl in university after still dealing with the effects of concussions. And, and I have <laughs> some great advice. But we will get into those in future weeks. I am excited that I did just film this first one. 
and I hope it's the first of many and even if it doesn't help people it's it's really helping me at, the, at this point so I'm excited to continue this um and if you're watching on YouTube I apologize <laughs> I have no makeup on my hair is in a bun but I thought it would be a fun ode to high school Chelsea because this is how I was. I was au natural all the time. Hair was always up, usually in a ponytail, but it's for sports. And so I thought, why not be like I was in high school? You know, let's let's go reminisce. So, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening to part one or my pilot or the beginning of my story beginning of my adventures and i hope that we can get together again soon if you do like this please make sure you like it um rate rate it five stars so then we can get other people to also find a podcast that hopefully can hopefully will change a few lives and can help some people so thank you so much for tuning in if there is something you would like me to discuss Please comment me, message me, find me on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Instagram is where I do most of my interactions. So you can find me at Chelly Rolfer. So C-H-E-L-L-Y-R-O-L-P-H-E-R. Chelly Rolfer. Uh, thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye.